What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the eighth episode of the MLB Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Podcast Network, alongside Matt Danielek. I am Chris Lavalley, and we have an exciting show for you all this week. Matt, what can they expect? We are going to discuss, among other things, the return of Ronald Acuna Jr. to the outfield for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Trevor Bauer's two-year suspension by Major League Baseball. Uh, we are going to talk about the Mets pitcher's combined no-hitter, and uh, in our first name basis segment later, we're going to get into some way too early MVP picks. All right. And before we get into the podcast, we here at the Takeover Sports Network have teamed up with Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for all of our listeners and viewers. New users that deposit and use the promo code Takeover will receive a hundred percent instant deposit match of up to hundred dollars. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times in any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks has a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three points made, fantasy points, and more. Prize picks also allows mixed sports entries. For example, you can take the over on Steph combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize picks has an award winning, easy to use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. Prize picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. So, if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, be sure to check out Prize Picks and don't forget to use the promo code Takeover so they know that we sent you. That's Prize Picks, promo code Takeover, and let's talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. So Acuna returned Thursday against the Cubs. He was one for five with a single, two stolen bases, and two strikeouts. I, this is a, I think this is a huge get. Obviously, a, a, a thing for the Braves. Acuna is the leader for the Braves team. His return should give the Braves fans a much needed boost after a slow start. They currently sit third place. In the National League East, Acuna is not even. It's not even about how good Acuna is going to be for the Braves. I mean, it obviously is. I mean, the guy's a career two eighty one hitter, three seventy five on base, five forty eight slugging percentage. It's not quite Mike Trout numbers, three hundred five, four nineteen, five eighty five. But Mookie Betts sits at a career two ninety five, three seventy two, five fifteen. If you could be Mookie Betts, who I think we all regard as one of the best, maybe four outfielders in baseball, that's huge for the Braves. And for Ronald Acuna, it sucks seeing a guy go down like that, especially in a year where they end up winning the World Series because he doesn't get to participate in that postseason run. And he's young. He's only 25 years old. And it's good for the league because Ronald Acuna Jr. above everything else is exciting to watch, which is something this league desperately needs. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got the star power that you're looking for. He's, he's a young, he's young blood. So you have him, you have Tatis who I think are going to carry this league over the course of the next, what, 20 years, Um, give or take at least 15. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his health is is not just, I think, important to the Braves, but important to Major League Baseball as a whole. And and the and obviously Major League Baseball needs all the help they can get as far as, as star power is concerned. Right. I mean, you have the, you have the greatest player of our generation and Mike Trout, who anybody who doesn't casually or who is outside of the casual baseball fan has no idea who Mike Trout is. No. And if you saw Mike Trout on the street, even you and I might not realize it's Mike Trout. Yeah. If I saw Ronald Acuna, I would know it was Ronald Acuna. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's 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 an important thing again, like I said, for for Major League Baseball. But the Braves need a boost. I mean, they've started off glacially slow uh this season. They so. have. They have. We knew there was gonna be drop off. 
I mean, I know you still picked them to go to the playoffs. I know I was kind of back and forth about how I felt about that division as a whole. Um, I, I, I think that having Acuna back in the lineup will be kind of the shot in the arm they need to, to stabilize. So speaking of the NL East, we got to talk about Matt's favorite team, the Mets. Hey, before we do that, because the Mets are of least importance, I, I realize we missed the headline. Clayton Kershaw is now the all-time strikeout leader for the L.A. Dodgers. Yes. Yes. And that's, a, and that's a big deal, but not as big as a deal as if he would have had a perfect game. He doesn't need the perfect game, though. That was my point. And that's that's and he proved that. I mean, the guy is, I think, unless he wins another World Series, I don't think he'll top Sandy Koufax. I think he needs a second title just because of what Koufax meant to the Dodgers. Um, but his legacy is cemented. I mean, Sandy Koufax is also probably the single most dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball history. For his, yeah. peak, for his peak stretch. Possibly. I mean, I'd really have to dig into that, but it, it, he's definitely in the conversation. And I would say that Kershaw, at a point in time, in his prime, was the most dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball. At least in the regular season. Postseason, obviously, he had his struggles. Yeah. But regular season baseball, you didn't want to face Kershaw. No, but when it counts, you're not worried. Okay. <laughs> All right. it around. You're the just Mets. You're taking pot shot. I understand you're still upset about it. So speaking of the thing that Matt doesn't believe in, which is combined no hitters, five Mets pitchers combined to throw no hit baseball against the Phillies the other night. Starter Tyler McGill threw five innings, five strikeouts, three walks, followed by Drew Smith, who threw one 1.1 innings, four strikeouts. Joey Rodriguez came in, another inning pitched, Seth Lugo. Point two innings pitch, and then finally Edwin Diaz for an inning with three Ks. So this is the first no-hitter of the 2022 season, which makes Matt very happy. The Mets are cruising right now. They're 15-7, and seven, tied with the Brewers for the second-best record in all of baseball. They're first in the NL East. And uh, just a couple other things just to point out how good the Mets are right now. Scherzer has shown no signs of slowing down. He's posting a 3-0 record with 33 strikeouts and a 1.80 ERA. And Lindor has bounced back this season. He's batting 284 with four home runs and 13 RBIs. And they've won series versus playoff contenders, including the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Phillies. So it's not like they're beating up on crappy teams as we're um, this early in the season. So, look, I mean, as much as, as I'm waiting for the come down for the Mets, this team may be better than, than – and I know it's it's May first. I get it. It's early, but they're playing much better than I can than I was even contemplating that they would play this early in the season. I agree. I did not expect Francisco Lindor to look like this. I did not expect Max Scherzer to basically come back like he had never been hurt and not and wasn't old, and and pitch like a Cy Young candidate all of a sudden. Can you imagine if Jacob Degrom was in this rotation right now? They'd be the best team in baseball. I mean, they. It, it wouldn't even be close. You did not mention what I think is the most important part of both this no-hitter and the early part of the Mets season. First, let me address the five-man no-hitter. I looked it up. It's only happened 17 times in Major League Baseball history. Technically speaking, a team no-hitter is a more exclusive stat than a perfect game. So then that means it's really special. Super special. I still don't care about it. But, <laughs> okay. but 
It's only the second no-hitter in Mets history. Johan Santana threw the last one, into the first one in 2012. This 159 total pitches were thrown. 159 total pitches were thrown in this no-hitter. That's insane. It's yeah, the it's most. I mean, they walked a lot of people. It's the most in a no-hitter in MLB history. Most pitches thrown. Now, the most important part of this that I was alluding to before is Edwin Diaz coming in and then in the bottom of, in the ninth, not the bottom, sorry, in the ninth inning, and not just getting through it, not just getting out of it, but absolutely dominating at bats against these guys. Three strikeouts. He looks the best that he's looked since 2017 in Seattle. Or 2019 in Seattle, sorry. When he had 57 saves for the Mariners. And everybody thought he was one of the best closers in baseball. And then he comes over to the Mets and he was absolute trash for like two and a half years. He was okay last year, but he had a pretty bloated ERA. And the save numbers weren't really up there. There was some questions about whether or not he was going to be able to work with Mets. And right now, I would argue Edwin Diaz is, at this moment, pitching like the best closer in baseball. No, I don't think there's an argument. I think that that's that's factual. He is the best closer in baseball. Um, Which is huge for a Mets team that blows games time and time and time and time and time again. The They seem to have... Uh, and I hate giving Buck Showalter credit, but maybe he's he's actually doing a pretty good job as manager. I mean, as much as I don't want to give it to him, he seems to have been able to get this locker room buzzing. So, uh, you know, he's you know, like I said before, Buck Showalter has a has a short life expect expectancy in locker rooms. But if he can take advantage of it the first couple of years that he's there, the Mets could be contenders. Um, you know, like I said, I'm all, I'm still at the wait and see approach. Let's wait and see what happens in July and August with the Mets. Um, but if if they keep playing the way that they're playing, they're gonna, not only are they going to be contenders in the playoffs, but they could potentially be contenders for a World Series. I agree. I agree. If this keeps up, if they don't have a now, mind you, we've seen the Mets do this before. Yes, and yeah. there's always, always, always a collapse on the other side, but. If they can continue to play this way throughout the season, you are right. We will have to eat shit on the Mets. All right. So we're going to get to probably our second most heated debate, I think, on this show. Uh, and it's about the same individual that it was about the first time we got in a debate. Um, a pretty heated one. The Kershaw one was fun. This is a little bit more serious, unfortunately. So Trevor Bauer, according to... Sources, Trevor Bauer's sources was ESPN. Trevor Bauer was suspended for two games. I excuse me, two years. Suspended I was like, two, Oh, you yeah, got much different years. information than I yeah, did. Two years. Three hundred and twenty-four games, excuse me. This is by far the most severe punishment handed out under the sports domestic violence policy. Per ESPN, Bauer promptly released a statement announcing he was appealing the suspension, thus becoming the first player to contest punishment through MLB's domestic violence policy. His statement was, and I quote in the strongest possible terms, I deny committing any violation of the league's domestic violence and sexual assault policy. I am appealing this action and expect to prevail. As we have throughout this process, my representatives and I respect the confidentiality of the proceedings. And quote, this is again, is according to ESPN. He spent the last 81 regular season games on administrative leave, plus an additional 18 to begin the 2022 season. 
But this 324-game suspension doesn't begin until Friday, meaning he doesn't get credit for previous time served. Bauer's suspension, if it holds through the appeal process, would last until the 19th game of the 2024 season, by which point his three-year contract with the Dodgers would have expired. The Dodgers would save the $28-plus million that remains on his contract in 2022 and the $32 million on his contract in 2023. Bauer was immediately placed on the restricted list and can't be around the team, even with a grievance hearing pending. So here's my problem with this, is that... I'm shocked that you have a problem with this. You're shocked? Shocked. The fact that he's not getting time served... The fact that he's not getting time served is ridiculous. Like, that's absurd. This is, to me, this is more a vendetta against the fact that a bunch of people in the league don't like Trevor Bauer, more so than the action, the supposed actions that Trevor Bauer committed. When you look at all the other domestic violence, people who have been caught and found guilty of domestic violence, the fact that you have individuals who have been been suspended more than 20 games is the most severe punishment, that's a problem. I'm sorry. That's just, that's a problem. You want to suspend him for a year? Fine. You suspend him for a year, but you've essentially ended his career by doing what you've done because no one's going to touch him. No one's going to touch him. You've also bailed out the Dodgers, which I think is really interesting. And I'm almost, going towards a conspiratorial collusion aspect to, towards this because all of a sudden the Dodgers don't have to pay him at all. Like you've, you've, you've made it pretty, pretty nice for the Dodgers to be able to just sit back and wash their hands of this entire thing. Excuse me. And I have, I have a lot of, a lot of issues with this, um, but I'll let you go and then we can, we can go back and forth there. All right. So a couple of things to, to pick out from this one, I was reading that if, uh, if he loses the appeal, he could actually have to pay back because he's been on the commissioner's exempt list right? as a result of, the, of this. So the MLB does their own independent investigation. Great. It's probably more efficient and effective than the justice system. Maybe we'll get some actual answers. So, A, are we ever going to see that MLB report to justify the Trevor Bauer two-year suspension? Because if you could provide me with evidence from your investigation that indicates that Trevor Bauer is guilty of what he's been accused of. We've had this conversation before, obviously. I'm inclined to to believe that something did happen, given the language that he and his attorneys used in the defamation suit and to defend himself in the courtroom. Not that we'll ever get to see that, but just what was reported. But I, I would be very curious to see what the major league baseball has uncovered through their own investigation and why on earth why on earth release the suspension press release and not give us any information about whether or not you found evidence of domestic uh, abuse through your investigation that's that's part 1 1a is if he is not successful in appealing this suspension I believe Major League Baseball can come after him for the money that he has collected from his salary for the games that he has missed already for the suspension. So not only does he not get time served, but they're going to get charge him back pay. Right. For, for the games that he's been out already that the Dodgers have been paying him. So yeah, huge bailout for the Dodgers. Although I think they'd probably rather just have Trevor Bauer pitching for them. You know, it doesn't seem like they really care about the money. Part two of this is 
Trevor Bauer, in his own words, said, I have not done anything to violate the league's policy. He's never once said he was innocent. He's never once said he didn't hurt the woman. All he's saying is, again, very specifically and technically, I didn't violate the policy. Right. Okay. So, again, I'm inclined to believe that something happened that shouldn't have happened. Why is it that Trevor Bauer doesn't just, if he's innocent, come out and say, hey, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. Also, we've got a nice little tag along, and this I don't love. Someone from Cleveland, Ohio, is has now come forward and also said that Trevor Bauer assaulted her. I uh, I don't love the pile-on after the fact. True or untrue, it just feels a little bit disingenuous, um, which kind of sucks for the whole thing because obviously you're just going to get people who are like, are going to totally gravitate towards literally everyone that says Trevor Bauer assaulted me now forever. Right. And you're going to get people who just genuinely believe that they're all lying. It's so un, it's just unfair to both parties, to both sides to then now after the fact, have people coming forward and saying this, and you're not going to get the look at it that you would, if you said it independent of all of this happening. Right. Right. So here's the, here's the thing about, the fact that he hasn't said that he's a hundred percent innocent or, or the way that he's picked his words is the fact that, you know, and I told you before that I think there was something else coming and there is in the fact that he's now suing the woman who alleged that he sexually assaulted her. Um, and he's going after her for defamation, which is why I said, I think there's a reason why they're picking and they're choosing their words carefully because they're probably, there's probably something else that's going on behind the scenes and this is what it is. So, the fa- and, and the reason why I believe anyway that he's making the comment that I never did anything to violate the policy is it goes back to the fact that at the conclusion of the four-day hearing on August 19th, the Superior, uh, the Superior Court judge dissolved the temporary restraining order ruling that Bauer did not pose a, a continual threat to the woman and that her injuries were not the result of anything she verbally objected to before or during the encounter, pointing to the text from the woman in which she asked to be choked out. So if that's the case, if it was a consensual thing, then he didn't violate the policy. So he, like, I, I know that you want him to just flat out say, I'm innocent, but his lawyers are probably telling him, this is how you word it, or his lawyers are writing his statements for him, which is probably what it's doing. Is they're picking and they're choosing their words very, very carefully, because now they can go after her and sue her for what she's done. Now, again, is anything going to come of the lawsuit? I, I doubt it. I, I He's got much more of a case against the athletic than he does probably against her. He's going to win the lawsuit against the athletic. It's yes. open and shut. It's very simple. They reported something that they knew was false information, period. Um, but or they, if they didn't know at the time, they never retracted. That's right. an easy win. The other thing, though, and I want to go back to this, is that the Braves' Marcelo Zuna received only a 20-game 20 games for domestic violence against his girlfriend. And here's the kicker though. The 20 game ban was retroactive. So he got to start this season. It happened late last season and they made it retroactive for him. So he could start all this season. He wouldn't miss any of these games. So that's why I'm sitting back and I'm going, all right, 
this guy was proven to beat the snot out of his girlfriend. Bauer is being alleged of being physical during a sexual act. The judge dismissed the case. Whether or not you want to say he's guilty or innocent, but to, to, to all of a sudden go, okay, well, now we're just going to reach and we're going to make, we're going to make you the new template of this is what happens if you screw around off the field. We're going to suspend you for two years. It's just it's unprecedented, and it doesn't make sense. And this goes you. back to my whole thing of Rod Manfred is so desperate for a win. He is so desperate for a public win, and because the public is against Trevor Bauer, even before this whole thing happened, nobody liked Trevor Bauer in the no. league or out of the league. Everybody hated the guy. So now he's getting all of these accolades on social media because I went, I went, I spent probably an hour going through all of the different uh, Twitter like chat rooms and stuff talking about this thing. 95% was screw this guy. Glad he's out of the league. This is awesome. Even all the sports writers couldn't hide their. Well, yeah, because they're not allowed to, because they have to. Right. Because you're only allowed to be a sports writer if you are openly like flamboyantly liberal. Right. So I'm just, but I'm just saying that like, it's to me, this is, this is insane. I'm, I wouldn't even be okay if it was a year, but I could get the year. I can understand a year. But when you've all but destroyed this dude's career now, that's just – it just I, – I, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it, like you really – and like you said, you should – if you're going to do this, you need you need to release the evidence that you guys yeah. have concluded to. You spent nine months doing an investigation. Why do we have none of this information? All we know is that Trevor Bauer is suspended for two years. Right. Right. Nine months worth of investigating. And that's it, it, it just doesn't pass the smell test. And I'll give the NFL this is that they at least release when they when they're suspending somebody for a long period of time, they will at least release. This is the information that we that we uncovered. Yeah, this is why we did X, Y and Z. So to kind of piggyback on what you're saying about um, Marcelo Zuna in 2019, Julio Urias was uh, was arrested for domestic battery. Charges were dropped. And Major League Baseball did their own investigation, and they suspended him. Do you know how long he was suspended for? No. 20 games. Interesting. So even me, where I fall on the Trevor Bauer is probably guilty side of this, and I'm glad that the Major League Baseball has their own investigation, and I would really like to see what they uncovered because I think I've been right this entire time, right? And you can say, as a sexual partner, I want you to choke me without meaning I want you to fucking smash my head into something. All right? There's a very big difference there. So you can say, oh, she was having a consensual sexual encounter. And things can have gone away that was not consensual. All right? So that, I'm sure, is a very thick gray area. And we would need specific details in order to parse that out. Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to believe that the argument, oh, that she consented, oh, it's so it's so easy to say that if you do have someone saying, oh, yeah, like, I want you to choke me. But, like, okay, have none of you people out there ever done that? And in the times that you have done that, has there been a trip to the hospital afterwards? I need to know because if so, I'm doing it wrong. Um, but. So even as someone who falls on the side of, I generally believe that Trevor Bauer did in some way assault this woman. 
And I do believe that he deserves to be, not, if not prosecuted, at the very least, his livelihood should be taken from him. If you're not going to provide us, as Major League Baseball, with the information that you have and explain why you feel that this, above all other domestic cases, is deserving of a two-year ban from the league, then you can't do that. You have to provide the information. And the fact that Major League Baseball fans in general are not in more of an uproar about the fact that we don't have any of that information at all is just like, it's like, it's like if you lived in like mid-century England and you just, you woke up in the morning and you had your bangers and mash and your, and your little shitty cup of tea and you walked down to the gallows and just pulled up a chair and just started cheering. You're just waiting. You don't care who comes. You don't care if it's your grandma or if it's your neighbor or if it's the bum on the corner. You just want somebody to hang. And that's kind of what it feels like here, even though I believe Trevor Bauer is guilty, even though I believe he deserves to be banned from baseball. Honestly, I think that goes back to the media. The media has framed this from the beginning, and they've done a great job of doing it. We talked about it when we debated it last time. I said the media is complicit in a lot of this, um, not just the athletic in general. They had made him the ultimate villain. And I think that's why most sports fans just they don't even care about the fact that this is an unprecedented amount of games. I just think in their minds, they've just been so washed to reading. This guy's a, a, just a complete POS, deserves whatever comes his way. And that's the end of it. it, it and again, it's not, I mean, I, mean, I think it's, sports fans if you're if you're a true in the wool sports fan or true in the wool baseball fan you should do your research and and have the conversation that you and I are having and I believe that but a lot of people just couldn't be bothered they just can't be bothered they're just they, they read an article they go oh okay well this guy sucks and they move on and that's just the end of it um and so as a prime example of that really yeah. quick go ahead. Get to your next point there I in researching this, in looking at it, so I got the original, I get two notifications. I got three notifications. I got one from my MLB app on my phone when Trevor Bauer was suspended. I got one from Yahoo Sports on my phone, and I got one from Bleacher Report on my phone. Okay? All three of those, when the link was clicked, were almost verbatim the exact same information. It was purely the information released by the MLB and absolutely zero commentary about whether or not we were getting any information as to how and why the MLB decided he was going to be suspended for two years. The same thing could be said of ESPN, CBS, SB Nation, Yahoo Sports on the internet, like every single place that I have looked at this Trevor Bauer release or coverage of this since the MLB has decided on his two-year suspension, not one of them, not one, has offered a we don't really have all of the information from Major League Baseball, or this is an unprecedented suspension based on the history of the league's domestic abuse suspensions. Not one of them. Right. Not even from an informational perspective. So everyone who's reading this, regardless of where they get their news or their sports, is getting an incomplete picture. Right. Yeah. No, I, I just I think it's egregious. But... I, which is why I think he's going to prevail. He's going to prevail in some way, shape, or form with his appeal. Now, I don't know if he's going to get completely. Uh, it, it's not going to get wiped away completely. No, it'll get reduced. I think, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I still think you're looking at probably a year. 
I don't think it'll be two, but I think he, he may get a year. And I think if his lawyers are worth their salt, he'll be able to get it retroactive. So then it'll, say. it'll be whatever, however many games, it was 81 games. So it'll be essentially the rest of this season. And then he'll probably play next year is my guess. I was thinking if the if Major League Baseball has a pair of a pair of cojones and they really want to stand behind this, they could give them the time served like you're talking about and then keep it two years. That's fair too, actually. See, that wouldn't be as bad, and I would I could at least swallow that one a little bit more. Um, although I still think this whole thing is is just it's not gone the way that I thought it was going to, but that's okay. That's, they have to release the, the they have to release the report. They have to. We have that. all of the other freaking reports. We we have. All of the all of the drug testing reports. We have all of the stuff, right? Like, we need this information. It doesn't have to be everything you have. I don't need all the dirty details, but I need to know how and where you ju- felt justified suspending this guy two years from baseball. Right. Yeah. Because honestly, honestly, if it was that bad, it should be a lifetime ban. Exactly. Exactly. Shit or get off the pot. You want to make an example of the guy? If you know for sure, based on your investigation, that he definitely did this, that he definitely assaulted this woman, then you ban him for life if you want to send the message. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is that my mind, like I've, I've said before, I just want the evidence. If the evidence comes out and the guy has done what he's been accused of doing, then yeah, he should be suspended for life. Like, I. I've never been like sitting back being like, nah, he just, you know, he can do whatever he wants. No, that's not my, that's not where I stand. My whole thing has always been just show me the proof. That's all I want. Give me the proof. And if, again, like you said, if you're going to, if you're going to be this bombastic and this like puff out your chest, yeah, we're going to get rid of him for two years. Yeah. Yeah. No suspend. You're right. Lifetime ban. If it's that egregious mm-hmm. that what you've seen deserves more than the 20 game, 20 game ban that you've been giving everybody else. And yeah, he should be gone for life. End of discussion. I agree. All right, let's do something fun. We're going to do our way, our first name base, and we're going to do way too early MVP picks. But before we do that, before we do that, man, I have to ask you, do you know who has the best record in Major League Baseball as of this morning? Uh, is it the LA Dodgers? It is the New York Yankees. Oh. They are 14-6. and six. By half a game. No, they are. They are. The Dodgers are in right, second place right now in their own division. The oh Yankees, yeah, sorry, San Francisco. Yeah, the Yankees are fourteen and six. They have the most home runs in Major League Baseball at twenty nine. They have the highest average exit velocity in Major League Baseball at ninety two point three miles per hour. The best fielding percentage in Major League Baseball at nine ninety five, and the best ERA in the American League, which I cannot believe, at two point eight four. Not only that, the Red Sox have lost four of set or four of ten, and it makes me very happy. Wait a minute! You can't just bombard me with Yankees, Red Sox when I'm thinking I'm over here talking about an MVP conversation. You better have Aaron Judge as your AL MVP if you're going to bring this up right now. Yeah, it really sucks to be a Red Sox fan through the first 21 games of the season. We're like eight and 14, and we're only better than the Baltimore Orioles, who we lost to last night, two to one. By the way. Yeah, I know. It's a great day. I just I just wanted to point out it's May 1st. It's a wonderful day. That's it. This okay. is also exactly how the Red Sox season started last year. Yeah. And by yeah. October and by or sorry, by September I felt like we could go to the World Series. Yeah, so. It's okay. We just we're just not going to ruin my day. My day is wonderful. All right. Way too early MVP picks. You want to start in the AL or the NL? Um American League. 
because it just right. matters more. So I'm cheating, and I have two. <laughs> I have two for both, actually. Jesus Christ. So my first one's Anthony Rizzo. Well, you never really, you never really specified. You didn't say you have to pick one. Yeah, but I'm cheating. I'm, I'm picking two. I, 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 you're right. I didn't specify. But so my first one is Anthony Rizzo. Speaking of the Yankees, he's batting 284. He's got nine home runs and 21 RBIs. He's been phenomenal this season. Much better than I, than I thought that he was going to be this early on. Uh, and then my other one is Mike Trout. Dude's batting 345 with five home runs and 10 RBIs. The dude's insane. He's just insane. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say, but yeah. Imagine, imagine if you got him in the second round of your fantasy draft. <laughs> um, but yeah, three forty-five. I, I just it blows my mind. So Anthony Rizzo is my hometown pick, um, just because I think he's he's just been phenomenal for the Yankees. But I think Mike Trout is the MVP so far, especially because the Angels are in first place. Do you know what's the best part about being best friends with a Yankees fan when I hate the Yankees? No. And actually, between you and CJ and Russo, I've got three people who I talk to all the time about sports who are Yankees fans, which sometimes is difficult for me as a Sox fan. But the best part about it is listening to you guys flip on one of your own guys or your own team. Because when they signed Rizzo, everybody was like, we don't need more power hitting. We don't need more bats. Go get a pitcher. He's not even that good. And <clears throat> now you're picking Anthony Rizzo as your early season AL MVP. I was an anti-signing Anthony Rizzo. I was anti-giving DJ LeMayhew a massive contract. That was my problem. Who's also been very good this year. He has been very good this year. I still don't think he's worth that kind of money, but he has been very good this year. All right, my AL way too early MVP is not Mike Trout. Oh, okay. I know. I know. Um, Trout's been great. Every time he goes to the plate, I think he's going to hit the ball. It's incredible. The only guy that makes me more scared in the American League right now is Jose Ramirez. Mm, that's it's, an ap- it's an absolute crime that he plays on a team called the Cleveland Guardians. What are they Guardians of, by the way? Are they like Guardians of the Galaxy? Are they Guardians of the Pearly Gates? Are they Guardians of... You know, like if, if you ask Yankee to... fans, the Guardians are trash. That's why they're throwing it at them. So, you know, I, I guess I don't know. I don't know what. I, what are they guarding? Um, Jose Ramirez batting three forty two, four eleven on base, seven twenty two slugging percentage. All right, mm-hmm. he's the league leader with twenty eight RBIs. He's got seven home runs. He's also got fifty seven total bases. League leader there as well. Um, two grand slams already through the first twenty one games of the season. They're in first place, right? Second. Second place. Okay. Cleveland is nine and twelve, second in the AL Central. But they're Ooh. they're there. They're in the conversation. Is Minnesota in first then? The yes, is? they are. Okay, the twins. Okay. Shameful division that is. Well, the White Sox mean, the White Sox should be embarrassed. Yeah, the White Sox have got to pick it up. But they've had some injuries though, so I'm I'm kinda of sitting back and waiting for the White Sox to get healthy. Listen, you can't talk shit about the Red Sox and their start to the season and not Yes, I can. All, and then on the same breath in the same conversation, they're like, oh, the White Sox, they'll be fine. They just have some injuries in the early season. Yeah, exactly what it is. I can totally no, It's a terrible start. Jose Ramirez looks to me. Look, we we say this every year. We could give Trout the MVP every year. Yep. That's not fun. All right. So until he has like a truly, truly great complete Mike Trout season, he's off my MVP list. Okay. 
Okay. And it's Jose Ramirez because he's hitting just as well as Trout, and he's leading the league in RBIs. That's fine. On a, tra- on a trash team, too, mind you. National League, who do you got? I have Manny Machado. Really? As my NL MVP way too early. and It's funny because I have one of his teammates. As you well know, I have great disdain for Manny Machado. I don't like his antics. I just can't stand the guy. But you cannot deny the season that he's having right now. Batting 386, 453 on base, 614 slugging. He's leading the league with 20 runs scored. He's also leading the league with 32 hits. He's only got four homers and 15 RBIs right now, but those numbers should come back and, you know, to league average or, you know, it's pretty early anyway. The difference between the league leader and home runs and Manny Machado is like five dingers. That's just a good week. Um, he's also got four steals, which I didn't realize he was quite such a base thief uh, as he is. Padres are 14-8, and eight, third in the NLS. Look, it's a three-team division, and all the Padres need to do is stay they need to hang. Yes, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. Yep, they just need to hang out. So I've got two again in the National League. I'm going to take his teammate though, Eric Hosmer, who's batting 397. He's also been a great pickup in fantasy, I must say. Two home runs and 11 RBIs. Uh my other dude is Nolan Arenado, who has been phenomenal for the Cardinals. 375, five home runs, 17 ribbies. He's been great. Um Arenado is the is the guy. I went back and forth between him and Machado. It's just Manny has been super, super, super productive. Arenado, he when he came over from Colorado, it, it looked really bad. It did. It looked very bad. I thought he was about to go the same way as Yelich in the total irrelevance, and that is not the case at all. Yeah, no, I I think I would lean more towards Nolan Arenado. than I would Eric. But, I mean, that batting average is just incredible. So, like, that was the thing. I was looking up um, – when I was just looking up just to see where everybody was, I was like, holy crap, the dude's almost batting 400. How the yeah. – can you not – now, again, I mean, this is way, way, way too early. I think if, as the season progresses, he's going to drop off. He'll probably drop in the mid-threes. Um, I think Manny and, and Arenado, though, are probably going to be your, your top two contenders unless somebody on the Dodgers picks it up. But, I don't know. There's too many guys on the Dodgers. They're all just going to cannibalize each other. Yeah, except for my first pick. My first fantasy pick has not been too good for me. I'm not too happy with Trey Turner right now, but that's okay. Ah, he'll come around. He better. He better. I picked him over Mike Trout, who's batting again almost 400 himself. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Some love should be shown to Bryce Harper, uh, who's having a pretty good series. We have to. Um, I'm sure that when we get to the actual MVP conversation time, he's going to be there. Who are some guys that you think are kind of just like back in the pack right now that we're going to see maybe take a step into that conversation as we get deeper into the season? I think Jose Abreu is going to step it up for the White Sox. I think he's he has to. Grandpa if, Jose? Yeah, I think if, if the White Sox are going to contend, he's got to step up his game. So I think he's somebody to keep your eye on as, as the season progresses. I just think he's off to a slow start. Um, this is going to surprise you. J.D. Martinez. I would keep my eye out on J.D. Martinez for the Red Sox because, again, I think – if the Red Sox bats are going to get hot, that's the guy I think you lean on. And I think that's somebody that you should also consider. So those would be my two in the American League. National League, I'm not sure. I, I don't pay t- as close attention 
into the NL as I do the AL. But those are the top two off the top of my head. I like your J.D. Martinez take, um, except that I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> That's fine. You, you I, every right I, to be pessimistic right now. I do just want to add on the Jose Ramirez front, mm-hmm. Jose Ramirez, like Jose Abreu, like a lot of these guys, this is a this is a commissioner Mike Russo theory that these guys that come from warm weather countries mm-hmm. and other places or play their college ball and their triple A and all that stuff in like Florida take time to get going because it's cold to start the year. It takes time for the balls to start flying, especially with these guys. Jose Ramirez is traditionally a slow starter. When you you think of a guy like Rizzo, who's been playing in Chicago his entire career prior to coming to New York. So, you know, New England weather is nothing for him. Like this this is cake. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there is some credence to that theory. And Jose Ramirez, if he's this hot right now, what's he going to look like in June? Right. Yeah. It's going to be could, could be something real special we're seeing this year. For actually like that. Who do you have? Do you have anybody? Honestly, I think there's a judge run. I've been waiting for the judge run. I've, I've been waiting for the 55 homers from Aaron Judge. And uh, I think there's a shot it's this year. I was reading that Buster only thinks that Mike Trout could get 60 home runs this season, which I like Buster a lot. And that's just a bad take. That is a bad take. But if, if, if Mike Trout hits over 50 home runs, he's getting the MVP and it's not even good because you know, he's going to bat in the mid three twenties. Yeah, no doubt. So if, if that happens, if Trout goes on an epic run, which he tends to do in the middle, I mean, what, right when we hit June, between June and August, he heats up usually every year. If that happens, then we can stop talking about the AL MVP because it's not going to matter. Again. You know who's not going to win the AL MVP? Who? Friggin' Shohei Otani. <laughs> Bum. He's batting like two, what is he, like 200, just over 200 right now, 220, something like that. What a BS MVP that was. That still ticks me off, man. That was I was on that early. I said Vlad deserved it. It wasn't even close. His team made the postseason. It, right? Yeah, Toronto made the playing game last year, didn't they? I think so. Regardless. Oh, no, Toronto was the odd man out. Right. They were the odd man out. Regardless, they sell a better record than the Angels. So it it just yeah, I that's still it just upsets me. Like I was like, you want to put Otani on the cover of all the baseball video games, all the magazines, all that stuff, make him the new face for the, the offseason of baseball, that's fine. But Vlad Guerrero was just Junior was incredible last year and yeah. he robbed him of an MVP. They did. He's been quiet to start this year. That's another guy that I you could see making a real nice push for an MVP later on in the season. Do you have a National League guy to look out for? I really... Because I don't, so that's why I'm uh, off the top of my head. I, I'd have to actually like take a minute and, and look. But Well, look, man, it's, 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 a, it's annoying to do this all the time, but like it could, it could very easily be Mookie Betts. That's true. It's that's fair. <laughs> like, like that's if you asked me to pick one guy that we didn't already talk about from the National League who I think could win the MVP this year, like it's Mookie's just been quietly excellent so far, uh, and he's another guy who starts a little slow. 
I will add this to the National League. If the Mets are in first place come September, okay, and Scherzer keeps doing what he's been doing, don't be shocked if he's in the MVP conversation. That's kind of painful. And I say this because there was talk, if you remember last year, DeGrom was in the MVP conversation back in before he got injured. True, justifiably so. So I'm just saying, like Scherzer, if he's able to do what he's been doing for the Mets, and I, look, the, Met, the Mets rotation in general has been flawless, as we talked about earlier. But if Scherzer can, can you know, being the stud of that, of, of that rotation, if he can keep going on the trajectory that he started on, I think that that's somebody in the National League you could – I'm not saying he's going to win it because very rarely do pitchers even get a top two in voting for MVP. But he would definitely be somebody to keep an eye out. Um, I would say – I was trying to think of who it was before, the guy for uh, the Rockies this year, uh, C.J. Crone. On a, just a rat team. Just a rat, rat team. Also, I think he kind of looks like Richo. Oh, okay. He's like a an, an even uglier version of Richard. Um, this guy plays, I think, first base for Colorado. I don't have uh, I don't have too much information up here because for some reason, Baseball Reference doesn't convert things into decimals. It's baseball. What are you guys doing, Baseball Reference? Come on. It's odd. Come on. It's super weird. But so far this season. He is batting about 250. No, I lied to you. 23 for 80. So a little over. Okay. And and he's been pretty good. You know, he's got seven home runs and 19 RBIs so far. So I, I think so he's playing, the only productive player on the Rockies. He's the playing. only productive player on the Rockies. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have anything else before we wrap it up? No, I think I think we covered it all, man. I think we covered it all. I just, uh, you know, combined no hitter being more rare than a complete game. Perfect game. Uh, yeah, perfect game, not a complete game. I don't know how I feel about that. I, was, I looked it up and I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, in Major League Baseball, stop being shady and release those uh, those reports. For yeah. real, this we deserve to know. See, right, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the MLB Takeover Podcast brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. Please make sure to give this video a like and subscribe to the Takeover Sports YouTube channel. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the other great shows we have for you from the network. You can also find this show and all the others from the network anywhere you get your podcast. Also, be sure to give this show a follow on Twitter at MLB Takeover. You can find Matt at Matthew Danielek and myself at Chris underscore LaValle underscore on Twitter as well. And that's it. That's all we have for you this week. On behalf of Matt, I'm Chris. We'll see you all again next week.